Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right. Well, good morning, friends. It is so good to to be with you again. Right there. And uh, today we are... um, Talking uh, about the the gospel is what I'm excited about sharing today. Next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series. We're going to be going through the book of of James. Uh, So that's going to be really, really fun. Uh, The book of James was actually written to the the church in exile. Uh, And so we are, in a sense, exiled in our homes and in our uh, little communities. Right? We can't be as social as maybe we, we want to be. And so this is nothing new for the church. And so we're going to look at how uh, James uh, addresses the church in those difficult times and see how is that applicable for our times as well. But today I had this uh, opportunity just to preach on whatever I wanted to. And I'm like, oh, that's always really, really fun. And in our Tuesday night Bible study, going through the book of Colossians, and then like Amber said, you are more than willing, uh, more than welcome to join, and you are more than willing to, to be <laughs> part of that. Uh, we want you to, to join in, but we saw how Paul talks about the gospel and how the gospel is on the move in in Colossians. And so I thought, what a great opportunity for us just to kind of dig down and go, well, what is the gospel as Paul understood it? Okay, so that's where we're going to go today. And the, the gospel, as we will see, is bearing fruit. So about four years ago, I planted a, a tree in our front yard. I don't know if you can see this. This is the front of Amber and I's house. Me and Amber's house? I don't know. And right here is, is a tree that I planted probably about four years ago. Uh, there was a tree there when we moved in, and we had to cut it down because it was diseased or some such thing. So I planted this tree four years ago, and it was maybe half half that size. That's generous, but it was a, it was much smaller. And I am very very excited. It's a dogwood. We have a bunch of beautiful dogwoods and other flowering trees in our neighborhood, and I wanted to be one of those people, right, that had these these beautiful trees. And so I planted it. And it's been four, five years now, and I've yet to see it really come into its glory, right? Um, but I am excited because it is, it is moving in that direction. Barky, we call him Little Barky. Um, I don't know if you guys made your trees. Misty? Misty does, good. And uh, so we were trying to figure out what to name this little tree. And when I was a, a baby, my my older brother, John, used to call me Barky, and we thought that'd be a cute name for uh, a tree. So this is little Barky, and I believe in him. He is growing. Uh, my mom doesn't believe in him. She read somewhere that he was supposed to be planted on the north side of the house and not the, the south side, and I'm like, well, he's north of the house that is south of us. So <laughs> it seems good enough for me. It, but he's, he's moving, he's growing, and I do very, very little 
right? Maybe he's not as fruitful as I, I want him to be, but he's getting there. There's little buds on the, the ends of the branches now, and there is, there is hope, right? He is growing, not because of what I'm doing, but because of however trees work, right? And in, in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talks about the gospel in language kind of like I'm talking about little Barky, right? Little Barky is growing and bearing fruit, not because of me, right? I'm not in charge of the growth of a tree. I don't get it to move from seed to sprout or from sprout to, to sapling or from sapling to mature tree, right? I can participate. I planted this tree and I mow around it and I give it encouraging words when I come home. Uh, but that's kind of the most that I can do for little Barky. But little Barky, regardless, is growing and bearing fruit. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, the gospel is bearing fruit, and, he's gr and it is growing throughout the world. Right? So it is growing. And so he's talking to this church in this, this uh, little community of Colossae and say, hey, not only is the gospel doing something amazing in your community, but it's doing something amazing across the globe. Right? And this gospel, it's bearing fruit all over the world. And I think that it, what, what uh, drew my attention as we were going through this passage of, of Scripture was the idea that the gospel was the active player. Right? It's not us. It's not the people in Colossae. It's not me. It's not you that are moving the gospel along in, in this passage. But it is the gospel itself that is moving and bearing fruit. And as we're going to see, right, we might not be able to force a tree to grow. We might not be able to make the gospel bear fruit. But we get to participate in the gospel. And they learned this gospel, Paul says, in the next verse from a guy by the name of Epaphras, who learned it from Paul himself, who learned it from Christ. And so, what is the gospel? And we might have some preconceived ideas about what this is, but we find that the clearest, most concise understanding or presentation of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So I encourage you to turn with me in that section. We're going to actually read a little bit lengthy piece of, of scripture here, but follow along with me and we'll also have it on the screen here. Paul says to uh, the, the Corinthian church, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Right? So this first couple of verses is the introduction. Paul is introducing this is the gospel that Paul preached and that what we believe all the apostles would have been preaching. And a lot of scholars think that this is one of the oldest uh, parts of our New Testament scripture. Maybe it was a creed or a, a teaching that was reiterated and, and recited over and over again by the apostles and those who were learning from them. 
right? And so just like maybe if uh, somebody was going to say, hey, tell me what is it that you believe in? Maybe we would recite the, the Nicene Creed, right? Or maybe we would recite the, the Apostles' Creed, right? It's, it's not, we don't have to create something new, right? We as a church have this historical foundation with, with, upon which we can firmly stand. And it was the same thing in the early church. They would have used this saying over and over again. So, what is the gospel? For what I received, Paul says, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. We're going to jump forward to verse 20. Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. So there is a ton of information in that, in that passage. I encourage you to, to read that a couple times and highlight the, the parts that step out or that, that uh, jump out at you. you know, what is the core of the gospel? But what we see, since we have a shorter amount of time this morning, what we see there are three clear components of the gospel. First, the Jesus story, the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension fulfills the Israel story, right? We cannot uh, understand fully the, the story of Jesus, what Jesus was all about, if we try to remove it from the story of ancient Israel, the story of the Old Testament scriptures. The second thing that we see is vitally important is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and in him we are made alive. Now, Paul doesn't go into any uh, depth of teaching about this, right? He doesn't under explain how it happens, you know, what, you know, what is going on there. He just says, hey, in the midst of this story, because Jesus died, he died for our sins, and in him we are made alive. And the third vitally important piece of the, of the gospel that is so often overlooked or forgotten or downplayed is that Jesus Christ is the king, right? Christ is the, the Greek word for Messiah, and Messiah means the anointed one. It is uh, most often attributed to kings. So when you read Messiah or you read Christ in scriptures, you can just, you know, uh, 
in your mind just go, that's king, right? Jesus the king, Jesus the Messiah, right? He is the one that is ruling and reigning. What is most important here is that the Jesus story is all about Jesus, right? He is the focus, right? We get to participate in this story. We are drawn into the story because of God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, but it is not our story. It is Jesus' story. And like I said, we cannot remove him from the Old Testament because he, Jesus the King, fulfilled everything that was promised and is longed for in the Hebrew scriptures. And so I wanted to find a, a way to quickly and succinctly try to give us the, the Jesus story in the midst of Israel's story. And we see this most clearly in this four-part movement of the Bible story, right? Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, right? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And some people, uh, that, that fourth category they call the consummation, right? This idea that Jesus is coming back to set all things right again. And so let's go through the Israel story real quick so we can understand Jesus in his context. Many of us know who have been in, in and around the church for very long. We know that God created all things. He is the creator of heaven and earth. We talked about that last week when we were discussing Psalm 121. And God, on the sixth day of creation, placed Adam and Eve in the garden to be his representatives, to be his image bearers, to multiply, to bear fruit. Their call was to govern God's garden and to extend his rule across the earth. Right? They were to take this rule and reign, this presence of God, and bring it out and bring order to all the chaos outside of the garden. But in the fall, when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they rebelled against God and they were banished from the garden. And so Adam and Eve failed in, the, uh, in their calling to bear fruit and to, to, to multiply, to be God's image bearers on the earth. So then, as the story progresses, God chooses Abraham. And then God, through Abraham, chooses Israel, and then ultimately the church to be God's priests, to be these intermediaries between God and creation. We are created, we are called to be intermediaries, priests, and rulers in the world on behalf of God, right? That is our calling. That is what Abraham and Israel were called to do. We see in Genesis chapter 12 that the same mission God gave to Adam, he gives to Israel through Abraham. It says in uh, Genesis 12, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Right? And so we see this similar picture of this chosen, called, uh, anointed uh, representative of God who is 
called to bring blessing to the world, to bring shalom, to bring peace, to bring order to chaos. But just like Adam failed, Israel failed. All of its kings failed. Scott McKnight says this. He says, so God sent his son because of uh, Adam's failure and Abraham and Israel and the king's failure. So God sent his son Jesus to do what Adam and Israel and its kings were unable to do. To be God's faithful image bearers and be a blessing to the world, helping people draw near to God. In complete fulfillment of God's original purposes, Jesus rescued everyone from their sins, defeated sin, death, and Satan. Right? And so Jesus comes not out of the blue, but as this fulfillment of what Adam and Israel and the kings were unable to do. And then we, we see in the gospel story that the resurrected Jesus is established as the Messiah and the king. And now he has done and is doing what Adam and Eve were intended to do, to rule over the world to the glory of God. And finally, this story looks forward to the restoration or the consummation when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom, pictured in Revelation as this vibrant city, and he establishes his kingdom fully on the earth, right? We are living in this in-between time where God's salvation has been procured, but we've not seen it in its fullness yet, right? We are looking forward to the, the restoration of all things. And in the midst of this time, this in-between time, we get to do what Adam was called to do, to bring God's order into chaos. To be bringers of shalom or to be bringers of peace into our world, right? That is the shortest way I could figure to tell the, 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 the story of Israel fulfilled in Jesus the King and looking forward to his restoration of all things. So the story, it's Jesus' is story. It's Jesus' story. And so it is, uh, it's not our story. And so often we fall into this mindset that this salvation or this gospel is about me and about saving me and getting me into heaven, this kind of eternal fire insurance, right? And so I don't have to go to hell. I can be with Jesus if I believe the right things. And, and this is true. This is partially true, right? We are saved because of the gospel. And as we proclaim this gospel, this is the gospel that Paul proclaimed, this story of how Jesus has become the king, others are going to be made alive and others are going to find their sins forgiven as they bend their knee to King Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The word about Christ. So this message, this story, this gospel that we get to participate in, Jesus is king. And his kingdom of 
true justice, his kingdom of lasting peace, his, his kingdom of flourishing life is available for all people. And I said this gospel is not our story, but we are part of the story. We get to participate in the story, just like I participated in the, in the flourishing of little Barky, right? I get to participate in the flourishing of the gospel in my sphere of influence, right? The gospel is bigger than us. As I was pondering this idea of, of, of how big the, the gospel is, I, of course, thought of this, uh, this narrative that we see in the Star Wars saga. I'm sorry, it just, all, it just, it just keeps coming to my mind, right? And in the beginning, we, we thought that the Star Wars saga was about Luke Skywalker. We thought he is the central figure. And obviously it's told, the first trilogy is told from, from Luke's perspective, but there is a bigger story at hand. Right? In, the, in the prequel trilogy, we thought, okay, it, it's not the Luke Skywalker story, it's the Anakin Skywalker story. And for sure, the, the, the prequels are told from, from Anakin's perspective. But then we've just received the, the final trilogy, the, the episodes 7, 8, and 9, the, the end of the Skywalker saga. And I would even hypothesize, I would... Care, carefully say that it's not even about the Skywalkers. It's actually a story about how good overcame evil in the galaxy. How the, the forces of evil that are sweeping through the galaxy like this unstoppable juggernaut were defeated by this inferior ragtag group of rebels through self-sacrifice, love, and humility. Right? And in this galactic story that the Skywalkers are part of, and the Empire is part of, and all these different people, Lando and, and, and Greedo, and I can't think of any more right now. <laughs> Wicket, um, I don't know, in the chat, name other Star Wars characters. All right, in all of these characters, everybody in the, the saga is participating in the story for good or for evil. They must decide which side they are going to be on. And we see that good wins out in the end. And in the same way, we get to participate in the Jesus kingdom story. We get to be bringers of the kingdom reality of justice and love and peace and flourishing. We, uh, as recipients of the Holy Spirit, are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Not for ourselves alone, but to be conduits of love and joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We get to be conduits of these things into the world. Uh, 2 Corinthians says that we are ambassadors of God, sent with the ministry of reconciliation. Right? And this is way more exciting than just going, oh, I get forgiven of my sins and someday I get to go to heaven. Like that is amazing, that is wonderful, and that is great. But is it not so much better to think, I get to participate in the story of God that is spanning history? Come on. 
And sometimes we participate in that story through evangelism. But we also play our part in the story through bringing the, the, the fruit of the Spirit to bear in our spheres of influence. Right? And what does that look like? Well, guess what? It's very simple. It's not easy, but it is very simple. We get to participate in Jesus' story, bringing order to chaos by being good neighbors. We see Jesus talk about this in the, the story of the, the Good Samaritan, right? And him telling the, the rich young ruler, you know, what are the, what's the most important thing to, to love God and to love our neighbor, right? So we, we participate by being good neighbors. We participate by pouring into our marriages. If you are a married person, that is your most important ministry. And so we pour into that and we, and we are uh, a picture of Jesus and the church that is declared to the world, declared to those around us. How awesome is that? And if you're single, right, you have a responsibility to pour into your friendships and to, to build those connections because you uh, are also called to bear witness of the goodness of God. And we see that in healthy community. All right, so pour into your marriages, pour into your relationships. In this way, we participate with the gospel. We work to the glory of God in our jobs. Right, we are, this is what Adam and Eve were called to do. They were called to work, and this work brings order to chaos. Right? And so whatever you do, whether you are a, a farmer or a businessman or a, a teacher or a, a stay-at-home mom or a nurse or a doctor, an accountant, whatever you are, in some way you are bringing order to chaos. You are bringing shalom. You are bringing peace and justice into the world. Number four, we participate in the gospel by enjoying and caring for God's good creation, right? We talked about this a little bit last week. We were put on this earth not to just hold on until Jesus comes back so we can go to heaven and play a harp on a cloud or something, right? No, we are placed on this earth to enjoy it. The sun is out, right? We uh, have friends and, and family, right? We have, you know, we can uh, go fishing or hiking or do whatever you want to do to enjoy this world, right? And it is good. It is valuable. Playing board games. I think that is a way to enjoy the world. I plan to do that later on today, right? To enjoy the relationships with my family, enjoy creation, because somebody created a board game that brings order out of chaos. And finally, we participate with the gospel by worshiping God. Right? And that is, one way we do that is through church. And unfortunately, we're not able to be together. We're praying and looking forward to coming back together as a church. But we, uh, we participate with the gospel by worshiping God in church or virtually this morning. Worshiping God through all of our thoughts, words, and deeds throughout the week. Right? This is how we participate with the gospel. And I think it's so exciting. Like, this is so much better than just a get-out-of-hell card or whatever, right? This is participation with the gospel. 
reclaiming a broken creation. Right? So how do we do this? I think the easy takeaway, again, simple but not easy, all right, is start our day, Lord, how can I partner with the gospel today? Right? It doesn't mean you have to fly to, to Africa and preach the gospel, right? It might mean playing a, a game again with your little kid that just needs more and more attention. Maybe that is how you are participating with the gospel today. Maybe it is uh, uh, forgiving somebody that wronged you at, at work. Maybe it is uh, not joining in the, the grumbling about somebody, but speaking a, a better word and and bearing witness of Jesus in the way you talk about others. It could look like a million different things, right? But what it is, is us recognizing that Jesus is the King, He is the Lord, and I'm going to find a way to submit to Him and participate with what He is already doing. Because as we saw in First Corinthians, or Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, the gospel is already bearing fruit all over the world and in our spheres of influence. We just need to look and see how do I participate with that today. All right? Well, let me close in prayer. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your abundant grace. We thank you for the gospel, Jesus, that you have fulfilled the story of Israel, where Adam and Abraham and Israel and the kings failed. You were faithful. And because you are faithful, as we find ourselves in you, we too can do what you did. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, give us patience as we endure the, this, uh, the restrictions because of the, the COVID-19 disease. Lord, we pray that it would end quickly so that we uh, can get back to normal. Lord, but even as we get back to normal, help us in this time of, of formation to learn how to partner with you as we bend our knee to you, our King. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a fantastic day. If you have any questions, you want to uh, give your life to, to Jesus, uh, if you have any prayer needs, you can always email me. My name is uh, it's Mark at newdaycommunity.org, uh, and we will look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bless you.